It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans on St. Charles Avenue at the Columns Hotel. Hello, thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. In the next 60 minutes, you're going to meet, well, four or five maybe of the many thousands of fascinating people who live in New Orleans, and you'll get to hear some live music if we're lucky. At the end of the show, you might conclude New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun, and enjoy great music, but you probably know that already, so let's get right on with doing nothing but enjoying the next 60 minutes of happy hour together. And my special guest sitting around the table here at the Columns Hotel are two couples who make movies. The two couples are Joseph Meisner and Helen Krieger. Helen is the writer and producer of the movie Flood Streets. And Joseph is her husband and one of the stars and director of the movie in which, and I quote, a diverse group of creative malcontents struggle to find love, money, and marijuana in the surreal streets of post-flood New Orleans. Hey, guys, thanks for coming down and joining us on Happy Hour. Yeah, thanks for having us. You're welcome. And my other guests are another couple who make movies, Trent Gillum and Jessica Farizo. Trent and Jessica are co-writers, producers, and co-directors. Is that right? Of the movie Aftermath, which takes place six months after Not to be Outdone by a Flood, after a nuclear bomb decimates New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys are real, like, uplifting a couple as <laughs> a filmmakers with what, the post-flood movie and the post-nuclear bomb movie. Are you, guys, are you guys in, like, mental health treatment in either of your couples? Uh, no. No? <laughs> this is our mental health treatment. This is you it, sort of right get here, it all yeah. out. <laughs> and our other guest today is a musician, Luke Allen, who's a singer-songwriter and frontman of the band Happy Talk, but he's happy enough not to have shown up yet. Hopefully he'll be here. If he does, you're going to love this guy. Happy Talk have got three great albums. Total Death Benefit, which is excellent, their first album. They're there, and their most recent one, Starve a Fever. Happy Talk was named Best Rock Artist in the New Orleans Best of the Beat Awards in 2010. And they've only gotten better since then, except they're not very punctual, apparently. <laughs> so we're looking forward to, to Luke Allen showing up, and hopefully he will. So where should we start with the, with the couples who make movies? It's the interesting thing about the show, hopefully, is that you're both couples who make <laughs> movies. Is that, an, is that unusual? It seems unusual to me. Who wants to start? Go for it. How did you guys? Trent and Jessica. Yeah. Um. <laughs> how did you... Okay, start at the beginning. Okay. How did you get... How did you meet? Okay. He, he's actually from Shreveport. Wow, that's crazy yeah, right there, right? You he's <laughs> from Shreveport. You, we met through my best friend who went to a leadership, Hobie, the Hugh O'Brien leadership conference. Yeah, the, yeah. And um, do you finish each other's <laughs> sentences? <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> As well. Yeah, we do. Who's Hugh O'Brien? Um, he's like he was like this old, used to be an actor, and now he's just an old person who. Has a leadership conference. <laughs> do, you, do you stop being an actor at some point and just have leadership conferences? I guess so. How do you get to qualify as a leader? I guess he was a good actor. Okay. I don't know. Other than that. So what, what was the leadership conference about that you met at? And here he is. Yay! A round of applause. Woo! Luke. Uh, what a great entrance. Luke Allen from Happy Talk walks in with the words, I'm a jackass. What makes you say that? Well, that, no, that's true. It's not a, lateness is not a virtue, but sit down here, pull up a chair. No, yeah, I worked the graveyard last night and I got caught in traffic. Really? You can say anything you like. We already started without you, so we'll get you a drink, put these headphones on, okay. pull up a chair. All right. Let me introduce you to everybody. This is Trent Gillen and Jessica Farizo who made, the, who made a movie called Aftermath. Hi this guys. is Luke Hi Allen from the band Happy Talk. Nice to meet you. This is Helen Krieger and Joseph Meister who made the movie Hi Flood Streets. You guys know each yeah, other? We do. How's it going? Okay, so Luke, we're really glad you can make it. You have to pull up, pull up your chair sure. and talk into this flat thing. Okay, cool. Much closer. All right. There you go. So there you go. We were just talking about leadership. Okay. You know, <laughs> you know how that is. I'm going to make you play about like two or three songs during the show. Is that okay? That's fine. Okay, yeah. cool. So we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute. So we're just talking about how these guys, these, these two guys are filmmakers and they're a couple. And these two guys are filmmakers and they're a couple. Okay. Are you single or married? I'm married. And do you make music with your wife? No, I don't. She's a playwright. She's a playwright? Yeah. Oh, we could have had her on too. Yeah. You should have her on. Yeah, really. Oh, she almost came. She, if she came, I would have been here on time too. Oh, really? See? <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you late? What happened? Um, I worked the graveyard last night. I'm kind of underslept. Uh, took the freeway, and then I also overshot this place twice. I have to admit, even though I've lived here almost 20 years, uptown is still a mystery to me. Where do you, <laughs> where do you, where do you live? What part of the city? I'm in the Bywater. 
We could have carpooled. We should have carpooled. Yeah, you're right. You would have been on time then, because you guys were on time. What do you mean by the graveyard? Do you work? Are you a bartender? Yeah, I work over at Mimi's Mamarini, and I work from 10 p.m. till 6 a.m. usually, and then I usually go out a little bit after that too. So. What time do you get home? About eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. What time does your wife start writing? Uh. In probably like nine o'clock when I'm a, we kind of swap places, you know. Like so you need one bed, really. What's that? You need one bed. One bed. One bed. B E D. A one bed. Yes. Yeah. Yes, well, yes, one yes. single bed. <laughs> is that right? So she gets uh, up th- when th- you're getting. I, th- I thought you were suggesting that my wife is, is like my beard. No, your beard <laughs> looks <laughs> nice. Okay, your right. beard looks nice. All right. All right. So, um, so you, you work. So you work all night. I do. Yeah. And uh, how many nights a week? Because you obviously play music at some uh, point. Th- three shifts a week, and then yeah. Happy Talk is a great. Friggin' band, though. Thank you, man. Isn't it, you guys? Really? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you're not making enough money out of Happy Talk. You have to still work three nights. Oh, God, oh God, yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anyone <laughs> who's really making that much money off of playing music in this town. Really? Yeah. And the ones that do work are playing out, like, Washboard Chaz gigging, like, ten shows a week kind of thing. So you just so. play in your own band. You don't do this whole thing I with don't, yeah. a bunch of other I'm guys. A, I'm a lousy side man, yeah. How did you and your wife meet? Uh, we met working at Angeli on Decatur back in 2001. Um, she so was we're, wha- we're both from California, it turns out. We both went to the uni- same university at different times. Our mothers grew up near each other, but we uh, met here in New Orleans. Yeah. Well, that's some yeah. sort of fate. Wow. And you guys met at the Hugh O'Brien Leadership Conference. Through a friend. Yeah. What were you both <laughs> doing at the Hugh O'Brien Leadership Conference? We already got to who's Hugh O'Brien. We don't really know. He's an ex-actor. <laughs> <account. Yeah. laughs> no, actually, I wasn't there. My, yeah. my friend came back, and she told me that she met my soulmate and <laughs> gave me his phone number and... We started talking. Yeah. You called up him. You called him up. I called You called him. Trent up. What was your first I sentence? Hi, you don't know me, but. <laughs> yeah, I think it was something like that. I'm your soulmate. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we both had the same friend. Alex, that, can, we so. get a, can we get a drink for that? I'm just going to put some whiskey yeah. in my coffee, put some Irish in my coffee. Uh, uh, just a, a shot of Jameson or something. Sure. Or Red Breast if you have it, actually. Nope. Jamie's fine. That's cool. Thanks. You guys right in the coffee? Was that, yeah, I was Is that your like first coffee there? You just got up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real happy hour way to start the day. Yeah. Do you start the day with a drink normally? No, not usually. No, no of course not. Just when I'm going on the radio, right. ra- okay. radio first thing. Okay, like very good. All right. <laughs> so, um, so your friend gave you transfer. She got Trent's phone number. Yes. She wasn't attracted to him at all. Though. No, she got it from me. That's amazing, actually. Yeah and, yeah. and so, what did you think? How many women have ever called you up and said, "You don't know me, but I'm your soulmate"? Um, I don't think it necessarily went like that. I mean. <laughs> How did it that go? That would have kind of freaked me out. I think it was, <laughs> it was actually, um, I think that her, I was talking to her friend at one point, and her friend handed the phone to her, and yeah. I, th- I thought it was her, t- or I thought it was a friend talking because they sounded similar, and she was like, "Oh, I'm not her, I'm Jessica." So I guess from there, we just how started. Old, how old were you? Like 15 or something? Yeah, <laughs> no, we were. Uh, sounds like high school, doesn't it? Yeah. No, 17. Oh, that's yeah, we were 17. Oh, I'd say take it back. Yeah. Okay, so you were in high school. Yeah. Yes, we were. You met in high, high school. Yeah. yeah. Holy hell. That's but that wasn't that long ago for you guys, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, three years. Yeah. About three years. Yeah. A little bit more. Probably. Oh, I thought you were college graduates. No. You're in college. college. Yeah. You're in college. You're in college, and you're filmmakers, and you're a couple. Yes. yes. You're not married at this point. Though. No. No. But you live together in Violet, Louisiana, which yes. is... And, and yes. In, and in sin as well. Like sin. <laughs> yes. Which is, and, 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 and Violet, that's extra sinful, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's a good Catholic town. And your parents that get along and know each other? Oh, yeah. Yeah, th- th- we have some cool parents. They're happy that you're together? Okay. Oh, yeah, they are. Now, Obviously. What about you guys? How did Joseph and Helen, how did you guys meet? Well, I was... Similar story? No, mate? it's kind of kind of a weird story. Well, I guess it's sort of There's similar. Hugh Laurie leadership institute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not suggesting Hugh Laurie's a washed up ex actor, surely. Are you? No, no, he's just a leader. He's <laughs> I was doing um, when I moved down here. I started doing a newspaper for Bywater and Marini called the Bywater Marini Current. You started that newspaper. I started right? it. Yeah. I, um, what had made a, you start that? Well, I was living in Boston for a while, and in Boston, like every neighborhood literally has its own paper. And in New Orleans, there's so many distinct neighborhoods, but none of them had a paper. Did you have a newspaper in Boston? No, but I worked for one that was really similar to what I wanted to do. It was, like, super small, really local. It was delivered door-to-door to everyone in the neighborhood. And wow. so I decided to do this. So I would deliver 10,000 newspapers to literally every door in Bywater and Marini. Did you write <laughs> Did you write the whole every article in, the news, in every newspaper? Um, I did, and my friend who started it with me, and then we would have people who would, like, you know, do do stories for us freelancers who who were free freelancers. And you printed ten thousand newspapers every month, yeah. And <laughs> that's pretty them. significant, isn't it? Yeah, we did it for a number of years until we, you know, 
couldn't take it. Amazingly got burnt out. Did <laughs> isn't that weird? But did you sell advertising? Yeah, we did. And so I met Joseph. He was, he was running a kung fu school in our neighborhood. And so I was too busy to go. So I sent my friend and I said, will you, will you go take some pictures? You know, here's what I'm looking for. And she was dating someone at the time, but she came back. And so this is kind of like y'all's okay, story. Okay, this is almost crazy now. So, yeah. so <laughs> she came back and she was like, hey, you really should have gone. He was pretty cute. And, and so I was like, all right, develop the pictures. Let me see. <laughs> 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 and so then um, he, he called and I was like, oh, I should have gone. And, you know, why did I always go for like, you know, the weird calls and never the good ones. And so then uh, when he J called... Yes. Who, did you, who was one of the weird ones? You <laughs> I was going to suggest Jay Monkadee, but maybe that wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, th they shall remain nameless, but like strange. Um, you think you're going for like an ad meeting and it's kind of, kind of a date. It's kind of a social thing. You know? Wow. <laughs> the social lines blend so much in New Orleans. It's like, let's talk about ads while we have a drink and blah, blah. And then you realize you're just having a drink and like... <laughs> there's, <laughs> and there's no advertising talk going on here. But this was a little different. So your friend came back with it, yes. and you saw the yeah, photo, so and you thought, like, okay, this guy is cute. And then what happened? Sorry, I shouldn't and have interrupted you. Oh, that's okay. And so then um, he called after the article came out and said, do you all do any advertising? I was like, yes, we do, and I'm the person to talk to, <laughs> and I'll come see you right away, and I'll be right there. And so then, like, over the course of a month, I s really slowly got his ad together. Like, one day I went and gave him, like, the ad design. Well, what did you think the first time you went down there and saw him? You thought, well, this guy's cute, for real? Mm-hmm, yeah. And what did you think, Joseph? Oh, I thought she was gorgeous. Really? And who, who said something first? Um, I think I did. You did, yeah. 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 You did? What I did you say? I did. I mean, she was sending signals, but, um, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I, asked, uh, I asked her out, uh, and she wasn't sure then if this was a, a date or another or ad. Or an ad another ad meeting. <laughs> I know, this time I was hoping that it was a date. I was like, wait a minute, does he want to talk about advertising? Did you end up advertising, Joseph, in it? Yes, I did. And did you get any business out of it? I, I imagine I did, yeah. I, I don't know if I Somebody wanted all to that. So you're a kung fu teacher. Yes. yes. You guys like scared now or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so our first, uh, let's, let me tell you the story of our first date because it was during Tropical Storm Isidore. Uh, this what was year was that? Uh, nine or 2002 or something? Yeah. yeah. yeah and uh, I don't even remember that one. How bad was that? Uh, it, it, was, it was windy and uh, there was street flooding. Uh, and, and my... my Street flooded to, to the extent that she couldn't leave my apartment wow. for a day. Or so. Okay, <laughs> that's got a nice ring to it. Courtship, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened. Yeah, well, yeah, and uh, I, I somehow misremembered the time of the date as being 12:30, and it was noon. It was a lunch date, um, and so she thought I had evacuated the city. You know, to come 12:20, she thought I had like evacuated the city for the storm, and and not told her, and then I showed up. Uh, at her front door, you know, somehow I realized my mistake, banging on her front door, and then th this guy wearing no shirt answers the front oh, door. Oh, that's always it's a bad a, it's start that moment. There's date. a Seinfeld episode yeah. about this, <laughs> yeah. um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was her roommate. <laughs> it was, I like immediately said that, I was like, oh, you met my roommate already, you're like my roommate? Just let me introduce <laughs> you to my roommate. So what year was this? Did we establish that? 2002. 2002. Yeah. So you guys have been together for, what, how many is that, nine or ten years? Yeah, um, ten years. Ten years. And you've been together well, with your well, wife? My wife and I got together in 2000, but then we broke up, and she went back to California for two years. And then we dated separate people. I put out our first record, which was kind of for her in a way. It was about I was just going to say, I bet there were a lot of songs came out of yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> and then she came back. She always says that, that our, our marriage now was, is, is an arranged marriage by our former selves. That's because, pretty Because, cool. you know, we changed a lot, especially she did over those two years because she's a little bit younger than I am, so... Um, yeah, it was good. Let's wh why don't we listen to one of those songs that came out of that? Because you managed to have some. You put sure. the whiskey in the coffee, right? So, you, <laughs> are you the, feeling I put okay? The whiskey in the coffee. I don't. I mean, I felt better, but I feel pretty good. Yeah. You feel all right? <laughs> <laughs> can we? You think we can unzip that guitar? Sure, and sure, sure. Okay. And wh while well, you're doing that, then yeah. we'll just we'll set this up a little bit because this. Um, well, the, your new record. The, the, I mean, it's not that it's new. It's not that the, new. It's the newest one. 2010. Yeah. It's a great record. Thank you, man. I think you guys are getting better every time you do something. And this, this is a whole new band. It's though, getting right? older. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a new band since... Oh, sorry, let me get these headphones back on. Okay. It's, it's been a new band since uh, since the storm, basically. After the storm, the dr my drummer went back to Boston, um, and my uh, bass player went back to New York. So then I had a, I basically I absorbed three of the guys from Morning 40 Federation after that. Right. So Morning 40 Federation, of course, were famous for being drunk continually. Well, that's sort of their reputation. That's not true, though? They weren't really? Well, actually, it's probably true. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. 
is you I mean, a we, we all were. I mean, the whole Decatur scene back in the, you know, the, the late 90s or the mid, mid 90s through the whatever. Yeah, we were all doing drugs and drinking hard, and that's what we did, you know. Are you still? I mean, other than the no, whiskey I, and the I, now. I, I'm, was, a, I'm a good exception. boy. I hardly drink whiskey. We're having our first, first uh, kid in August. Um, oh, congratulations. So, well, thank you. So I'm actually, uh, thanks, guys. That's serious. So um, I'm taking it. straighten up. I'm, I'm straightening up a little bit, yeah. Well, that's August, though, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> still got Mardi Gras and Jazz Fest to go at least. My man. <laughs> Are you having a boy or girl, or don't you know? Uh, we think it's a boy. They've got uh, these uh, over-the-counter tests. They're supposed to be 90% accurate now. Hmm. And it says boy, so... What is that? You have it's, to it's 90% boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's more than we can yeah, say, probably. In this town, in, in, in ten, yeah, in this that's town the other 10, 10% will help them out, yeah. probably. So, yeah. Hey, um, what do you want to play? You don't have to play anything off the first album if you don't want to. Okay. What do you, what do you feel like playing? What comes to mind? Um, well, a lot of people have been getting jumped in my neighborhood so I could play Mugger's Waltz. Mm. Mm, that's a great idea. The lyrics in the song are... Yeah, uh, hilarious. Okay. There, there's been, like, a, a, a Mimi's working those graveyards now. There's just been cops all over the place because... Yeah. People have been getting robbed a lot. Muggers have bedtimes too. Between 12.45 and a quarter till two. If you go home so early, it's late. Don't take my word, but it's probably safe. Keep a $10 bill in your shoe. Muggers have bedtimes too. <laughs> Muggers have mothers too. Betsy, Matilda, and Mary Bell Sue, and they love their boys more than themselves. And all of this mugging is hard on their health, so surrender your wallet, pay your dues. Muggers, they have mothers too. Yes, and muggers need money too. There's bills to be paid, and their baby needs shoes, and there's chain for the watch, comb for the hair. Christmas is coming, and the cupboards are bare, so give it up, brother, it's true. Muggers need money, too. It's pretty daunting to sort of sit around a tiny little table and yeah. just pick up a guitar and have everyone staring I'm at you. I'm glad I brought a very small guitar. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not hitting this man in the face. With <laughs> We've been a little bit. Yeah, Luke, so oh, Luke Allen from, from Happy Talk. You wrote that song. You write all the songs in the band? Yes, I do. And did you sit down to write that or does it just come to you, that song? Um, the idea of uh, uh, muggers uh, having bedtimes came to me pretty soon because I realized all my friends were getting robbed. 
uh, between certain hours, between 11 and 2, and I was always staying out till about 4 or 5 when the sun came up. So you avoided them because they were asleep. Because they were asleep, <laughs> yeah. And then it made me start considering other things in the neighborhood, and it's supposed to be funny. It's kind of, it's a bittersweet song because, you know, I am, I do have sympathy for the mugger, you know, I understand the socioeconomics of, of my particular neighborhood and well, if what, I, what I represent, what there's wolves or will be sheep, you know, and wolves are hungry and I am a sheep, you know, so. <laughs> you think you've got, do you think you have more money than the person mugging you? Um, not after they mug me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean in general. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but when people are driven to that kind of violent desperation, they usually don't have a you know very good Roth IRA going on. You know. So the so it's not totally ironic that song. You do have some sort of sympathy. Oh, absolutely. For, for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's both. I mean, I'm very you know I'm angry and. Whoa. Is that me? So, so I don't know. Somebody's phone. Yeah. Phone's doing that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm angry enough that I would hurt someone who was trying to hurt me, you know. I would, I would use my drunken kung fu, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, at the same time, I understand the root of it, you know, and, and, and why. So it's, con it's very complicated, you know. It's not that complicated. If people would have a job, if there was full employment, nobody would be. Absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah, then yeah. we wouldn't have to worry Absolutely, about it. Absolutely, yeah. We, we people wouldn't need to make each other. Or probably if, you know, if drugs were illegal. Right. Oh, they are. <laughs> Hang on, that's not going to work. It's a great song, though. They're all great songs. I'm going to make you play some more in a minute. But now, talking about the, the, the condition of New Orleans brings me on to Flood Streets, which is what it's about, really. Your movie is kind of about that. I, I would say that the, our, the backdrop of our movie is post-Katrina New Orleans, you know, a year after the storm. But it's really, it's a particular story about particular people. And it's, it's a funny movie. It's got a sense of humor, and it's, it's very quirky and, and uh, entertaining. It's not, it's not a big downer, you know. Uh, the, the issues of post-Katrina New Orleans filter through all of these characters. You're, and you're, you are one of the characters. You play Matt. I, I play one of the characters, You yeah. play Matt. Now oh, tell the, us. The characters are all a little bit Helen. She, <laughs> yeah, she well wrote it. Helen wrote it, of course, here, so right? So the character that I play is a little bit Helen, a little bit me, a little bit imaginary. Well, how, much is it, how much is it really you, do you think? Helen, how much did you actually base it on Joseph? The, that was based on a short story originally, and the original short story had nothing to do with him. It was it was just me and just like being being married, or maybe we weren't even married yet, being together for a while and just wondering like because the the character has sort of wayward eyes. He's he's you know he's sort of looking outside of his relationship. Wayward eyes, what a great way. <laughs> looking outside his relationship. Yeah. He's a cheater. Well, not not a, he's just thinking about it. An aspiring he's just, cheater. Yeah, exactly. He's he's a yeah. Just entertaining the thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not sure if he's a cheater or not. He's not, and and I think that and that was something that um that that was sort of going through my head, just sort of wondering like, wow, if we're going to be married for a really long time. This is this is crazy. What? But then trying to hide it, I, I made the character a guy, because you know that oh, it's clearly not me because this is a guy, you know. But that's crossed your mind too. Well, yeah, I think anytime you're in a relationship, you just, especially, I think maybe maybe we'd been together for like three or four years, and you're like, wow, this is, I'm never going to go on another first date. That's pretty crazy. That's, and, um, That's got its upside, though, doesn't it? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. First dates are, you know, they can be rough. But, and I was, I was at the time, I was uh, going to the LSU Dental School to get work done on my teeth. I have terrible oh, teeth. Oh, I thought you were going to be a dentist. Oh, no. You're going to have work done. I've worked on my teeth because I have terrible teeth. And I had a student who was not so good at all. And it would take her like five hours to get one cavity. And the anesthesia oh, would keep wearing off. <laughs> but she wouldn't want to put more in because I think she was graded on how long it took her. And she's like, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. <laughs> so I'd be sitting there for five hours in pain. And she did this weird thing where to try to get to my back molars, she would put her chair up behind me. And she would end up so that her breasts were smashed against my head. Nice. And I was sitting there for like five hours, and I was like, what if I were a guy? What if? And so then my, my cheating guy became this guy who goes to a dentist, and, and this, this and happens to the character him. was born. Mm -hmm. And what happened to the uh, dental student? Is she a successful dentist? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, because I, I think I was literally like her first student. I think I was the first one, that, you know, her first patient. What is, I've thought about that before too, because I've had this. Not, I haven't had the same thing. Here, but you know, the dentist or the you know has her breast shoved up against you. What does that feel like as a woman? <laughs> you know, well, does it have a sexual component <laughs> or well, not? I found out later that she was pregnant, and I, and which also like, and and so I think maybe her breast had swollen and she didn't realize, and she, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I think, and her, her sense of personal space hadn't adjusted to her new body. <laughs> 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 but do you feel that when you're pushing up against a guy like that or against someone's face? Do you feel is it? Does it have a sexual component to that? I mean, Jessica? I, I guess it depends. As a dentist yourself. <laughs> it yeah. 
It depends. Does I it depend? Uh, That's maybe. my question. Uh, yes. On what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mean, I mean, but something like it's that it, dentist being have the sexual components. But I mean, there's, there's so much pain involved in that. It doesn't matter what the intimacy is. All you care about is that someone's hurting you, right? Yeah, for but me, no. But I mean, the sexual component for the woman, not for not for you sitting in the, the chair. The woman dentist. The, or the, the woman dentist. Yes. But there's not. I haven't had. The, I've never had a woman dentist, honestly. I have a woman dentist. Yeah. Do you still have a woman dentist? I don't anymore now. No, I had to. Go to a real dentist. <laughs> <laughs> My dentist is a real dentist. Hairdressers, I think about that, the sexual component of that, definitely, though. That's very intimate and very close right. and pressing. And, yeah. Who does your hair? Um, my wife does now. Only my wife. After <laughs> that is the correct good answer. answer. Yes, <laughs> very good. Anyway, back to the movie. So, so this. So going to the dentist. Who you were? Were you really in the chair for five hours? Was I was seriously in the chair for hours. five hours. Who's got five hours to go to the dentist? I guess that, if you're that's a, the other thing. Yeah. If you're a short story writer, you probably have that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I was working as a real estate agent then. Oh, you were for yeah. who? Um, Ladder and Bloom. Did you sell a lot of houses? I did, yeah. I sold a lot of houses, and I sold a lot of houses after the storm, which is where w another one of the characters in the movie is a real estate agent who has to go through all these flooded houses. And um, right. so I was working. That was you. So you're yeah. the person, the real estate agent, going through the flooded houses, and the other character is also you, but translated. She was all the characters, but you know. Yeah. So that's what you said, Joseph. <laughs> it's all basically <laughs> Helen. Yeah. Is that you think what all writers do? They come up with everything's based out of. Yeah. On you. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're being facetious when we say that they're all her, but. I think when, er, when you're a writer, every character has to have a personal, you know, it, it, it contains your personal stories and your point of view. And in order to really flesh out a character, I think you have to put some of yourself into it. There's, there's some writers, I've talked to some writers who are more like reporters, where they try to be like, is not as personal, like stay away from anything that has any kind of personal element and they just like listening to other people's stories. But I'm always suspicious of those. You people. mean fiction writers? Fiction writers who will like corner people who are like the characters that they want to write about and just ask them lots of questions and hang out with them and, and get to know them. Um, and but some of them do amazing jobs. But if you're writing a story, I mean, or a song or a, a screenplay, all of you guys are writers. If you're writing something about, I don't about guilt, say, or or wandering eyes, <laughs> you have to have some inclination or some feeling of what that's like as a person, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. you can't just yeah. be completely... I mean, I, I would imagine if you're writing a, uh, if you write a song about a mugger, you've never been a mugger, though. No, but... Put I yourself I in that position. Or you can put your posi position at the, the, the victim as but well. You, but yeah. you're writing a song about a mugger, and you're not a mugger, or you're not... Right, right. And it was actually I'm familiar with mugger culture, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you've never actually... Have you ever robbed anybody? Have I ever... I don't think I should talk about that necessarily. <laughs> no, I've, n I've never, I've never mugged anyone. No. Okay. Well, yeah. just to get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you still write a very effective song about what it's like from the mugger's yeah, yeah. point of view. So yeah. I guess you can have some sort of yeah. empathy for someone, even if you have no idea. I mean, are you writing a thing about crucifixion or something? You didn't have to be crucified. <laughs> yeah, I guess empathy is the main thing. Like, yeah, can you, yeah. can you put, you know, imagine what it's like to be in that situation? What about the? So the characters in this. In your movie, are, this takes place how, like how much, how long after Katrina? Is it a year or so? Yeah, it's it's the Thanksgiving, so like uh, fifteen months. Yeah, fifteen months. Fifteen months. Mm -hmm. Is that significant? Fifteen. Well, we wanted to do it during Not Thanksgiving. 18. Oh, would it be? Th oh, I see. So you have to count it back from when the actual yeah, storm exactly. was. And and um and so you did you ha who directed it? I directed, you directed it. it, Joseph. Have yes. you, and you've directed stuff before. You're a theatre director originally. Right. My background is as well as being a kung theater. fu kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got into kung fu because of that acting. Actually, I was uh, I wanted to more fully inhabit my body, you know, and be able to play a wider range of uh, characters, uh, you know, not just people who are all trapped in their heads, which is what I was before I started this whole transformation 16, 18 years ago. So you started doing kung fu to try and be a better performer, overall yes. performer, not just an right. intellectual performer. Right, because you know, you know, if, if you're someone who's trapped in their head all the time, you can really only play characters who are trapped in their head. You can't play people who are more heart-centered or people who are more centered in other parts of their body. Right, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but not every actor has gone and done kung fu or something like that. What gave you the idea to do that? Just did something happen? Uh, I was coming out of a tradition of uh, experimental theater. Um, people like Jerzy Grotowski in the 60s, uh, and even before that, Vesefalov Meyerhold, who was uh, the successor to Stanislavski, who's, who sort of founded the modern school of acting. And there's this tradition that comes out of that European tradition and, and crosses over into Asian traditions as well of physical base, uh, you know, physically based training as opposed to 
starting with an idea or a map in your head, you inhabit your body and you let your body be an expressive instrument. Is, that, is that called method acting, what we call method acting? Method acting grows out of Stanislavski, which is a little bit more psychological, a little bit more in, in the head. And Stanislavski is a person. Yes, yes. Who, a, who was, was a, that? He was a Russian theater director. Uh, around the turn of the century, he directed the first productions of Chekhov's plays. And he's the father of realistic acting. What in, was in it like tradition. before that? It was, uh, you know, what we think of as bad acting or overacting oh, with really? stock gestures. You know, if, if, if you're shocked, you put the back of your hand to your head and okay. swoon. <laughs> you know, there, there was a, a theorist called Del Sartre who had a whole map of gestures. And if you're sad, this is what you do. If, you know, and and you, you as an actor, right. would just learn all of these gestures and, and, uh, and just map out the characters, you know, emotional. So Stanislavski came up with the idea of instead of overacting and doing something like shorthand, why don't we just act like Try we really are? Try to make it are. as real that as must possible. Have been, that must have been a shocking sort of, people must have hated that at first. And they, they, these people aren't even acting, for Christ's sake. I think there were you know, pe people were ready for it they at, were. That, at that time. So yeah, it was, a, it was a good revolution at the time. Yes, he was actually burned at the stake for that too. Stanislavski. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I would have believed that completely. <laughs> so, th so you were an actor in, in what part of the country were you in before? You uh, in the Northeast. And what dragged you down here? Other than uh, Kung, did you come here to open a kung fu school? Well, sort of. I came here, uh, I actually moved here from Austin, Texas. I started out in the Northeast, moved to Austin where some friends of mine started a theater company. And the, uh, during the dot-com boom, Austin went through this really rapid transformation. Uh, little did I know it was all going to dissolve about two months after I left. But, um, you know, so you I, I, felt, right I felt pushed <laughs> out, you know. Uh, you got pushed out because it went the, to... The rising cost of living. Everybody was a millionaire on paper except for me. I was a substitute teacher in public schools. Now that job is very sought after in Austin. But th <laughs> it, at the time that I was there, it wasn't. Um, and uh, so I applied to graduate writing programs in different places of the country that I felt had a sense of authenticity, a, a connection to their past, uh, all the things that I resented Austin for not having at that moment. <laughs> and uh, University of New Orleans gave me the best uh, deal in terms of a scholarship. So you came here to go to school? Yeah, I came here to go to school and I wanted to keep up with the uh, Kung Fu training. So. Um, I started those two things at the same time, the graduate school and, and the Kung Fu. That's a good thing about New Orleans. I must say you can do that here. Nobody thinks it's weird that you would be a student and starting a Kung Fu school. Right. Every, yeah, the the, way, the way Helen phrases it is everybody here has a hustle. <laughs> there, there's no jobs in New Orleans. There's only hustles, and you just make your own yeah. path. It's kind know. of weird because, I mean, people do that in L.A. You know, you're, if you're, you're an actress, but you're actually waiting tables. But... but but you're eventually, everyone knows you're going to give up being a waitress when you get a proper job as an actor if something ever goes right. Here, I mean, for example, Luke, you can be playing music in, a, in an awesome band, one of the greatest, I mean, you did one. You did win some award for best band, and you're still... Big money, baby. Mm. Yeah. And <laughs> you're still working in a bar, and nobody thinks it's because you're any less of you here. No one thinks that you're sort of just waiting for a break or sure. you're yeah. a hopeless musician because you're still working in a bar. And I'm not delusional, too. I'm not a young man anymore. You know what I mean? It's a young man's game. I'm going to continue writing songs. I don't give a shit, you know. But as far as thinking I'm going to support myself, I sold one song to Chimay and made some money that way and have had a couple other little deals like that. But for the most part, I know I'm going to have to get several hustles going on at all times, you know. Yeah. But do you, do you think there may come a day when Happy Talk is going to break through and... I will never tell myself that because <laughs> I used to tell myself that and it made me a little bit crazy. So, no, I, no, I don't think we ever will. Yeah, and that's fine, you know. But do you, I like do you I like can't I like tell yourself that you will, but do you, I mean, in the I, I, want, I want some posthumous respect is what I want. That's really? what I'm looking for. You'd be yeah. happy with that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Immortality. Now that I'm having a kid, just so people say nice right. things behind my back when I'm gone. You know, <laughs> yeah. But you make this record. You don't make the record to not sell it. You don't go and play gigs for no one to show up. I mean, you want. Oh no, I do. I want people the, to hear the songs. Sure. And and also, yeah. And my ego likes. You know, I, I want the. I like the attention some too. But mostly, I mean, I'm starting to realize more and more. I like writing songs more than performing or recording or anything else. I'm, I like the solitary part of it more. Which is back when I used to write, write short fiction and stuff. I like the the privacy of so it. So you're really a writer as well. That's you what I. Yeah. And is there a, a way to make money out of that these days? Like there used to be a whole songwriting world of people who sat in their rooms and wrote Na songs. Nashville, there's still good money in that right now. So um, you'd have to go to Nashville. I've never sought it out. I've never done that. But I know some people, I, I saw you guys had um, um, uh, Michael, my, my name is John Michael, mm -hmm. um, on the show. And I know that he's had some success. 
um, selling in Nashville and writing. And yeah, I've we had Jim McCormick on here too. Yeah, he's yeah. done the same thing. And Anders Osborne has too. Yeah. I mean, that's something I've never even given a shot at it, you know. But that's such, I mean, they are great songs and the band sounds great. So you never know what's going to happen. No, I you don't. Like I said, I'm just, just not. Keep playing. Yeah, I'm just not, uh, you know, putting, all, putting all my eggs in there. Yeah. Let's have a listen to something right now. What do you think? Sure. Guys, you want to hear something? Yeah, yeah. okay, cool. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like playing? Okay, hang on. We'll just <laughs> and then after, um, after Lee sings this, uh, after Luke's Lee, where did I get that from? Uh, after, after, <laughs> <laughs> after Luke sings this, let's come back and talk about the nuclear bomb that fell on New Orleans. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, Katrina? No, with even more, an actual nuclear bomb. What? Yes. There's a movie called Aftermath, which is set six months after a nuclear bomb exploded in New Orleans. All right, this is a not a not recorded song. It's a new song um, okay. called Grackle Bird. I don't know if you guys know what grackles are. Oh it's yeah. a really annoying bird in the neighborhood. <laughs> and I wrote it about a guy waking up from a, a hungover and a, the spurs not letting him fall asleep. But then also, when I finished writing the song, um, a friend passed away. He'd been in a coma, and I realized it was sort of about someone like just let him go, let let him fall asleep. Our, our friend Steve Hesse. Did you guys know Steve Hesse? He worked down at Molly's for a long time. like the book of Job. Grackle Birdman, let it go. Grackle Bird, please let me go. 
Wow. Luke Allen from Happy Talk. Very happy, uplifting song about slipping away <laughs> and dying. Do you, uh, did, and you said you didn't really think that song was about dying when you wrote it. When I finished it, I realized it, um, we uh, had, I'd started writing the song, and it really was around these grackles that uh, hate, hated our cat, and they'd come around the tree and just freak out and make so much noise. And then uh, I started kind of writing a few verses of the song, and then I took a trip to, out to Paris um, last May for my birthday. Paris Avenue? <laughs> Paris, Paris, Texas. No, no. <laughs> you went to Paris, France. Went to Paris, um, and then for uh, my my friend's graduation, the two couples went, and it was it was a really good time. But I finished writing it there. But during that time, via Facebook, I knew my friend had gotten really sick, and this is a guy I've known since I moved here in '94. He was, you know, like kind of a, a mentor for a, a drunk, you know what I mean, in a way. And it's a guy he drank way too much forever, and really smart, really cool, really zen guy that just couldn't stop drinking. And he just, his body just started basically falling apart gradually. He ended up in a coma. And it was during that time that I finished the song and I realized everyone was trying to, to keep him alive, keep him on life support, the family fighting over that. His father has Alzheimer's and was really confused about life, the life support. It was just a goddamn mess. And I realized that when he finally won, what a good thing that was. And, and uh, mm -hmm. so, so to me, the bird was, was trying to wake up. It was, it was the little voices, the people next to you who love you saying, come on, stick around, stick around. It's like, fuck you, I don't want to stick around. It's time to go, you know. And there's a line in this song uh, about where grown men go to drown. Yeah. Do you, did you write a musical called something like that at some point? How did you know that, man? Yeah. <laughs> Someone told me about where, that. where the drowning people go. Where yeah. the drowning people go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that about? Um, it's about junkies and bank robbers. Yeah. And uh, the devil. It's kind of like a Faustian kind of drama. And it's a, it's a sort of a, it's a real musical though. It's yeah, a it's play. a musical. It's a stage musical. It's a stage musical. It's never been put on, but I wrote it. I mean, I wrote that a long time ago. Yeah, like '95. I think I finished writing. Have it. you hauled it out lately and had a look at it? I, no, I haven't. <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't. I don't even know where there's a copy. I think my wife has a copy somewhere of it. Um, I have a feeling it would be embarrassing to me a little bit at this point, but there might be something. You never good know. In it might it. be yeah, great. Maybe. Are there any songs out of it that you still Sh play? Um. Yeah, Timeshare off the first. There's a couple songs off the first record. And where is it set? Bank Robbers Walls. Is it it's oh, set in. It's Walls, set. It starts in California, ends up in New Orleans. So it could it be a movie? <laughs> a rock opera. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I could got filmmakers <laughs> here. You I got could hook you up right here with these. <laughs> we got two sets of filmmakers. You guys could all collaborate because they've all got. They've all. They're all making films about death and dying and slipping right away. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a po it's a popular theme in our little town. It's huh? crazy. <laughs> so these two guys are high school sweethearts here. Nice. And and they've made a movie called Aftermath, right? About the nuclear destruction of New Orleans. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how did that happen? Oh, because they realized how much area they could shoot in this town. So you guys. It looks like a decimated. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> how did you come up with this idea? Um. Well. It brings brings back to uh, her parents' house way down, like in the middle of nowhere. Um, one day we went out, and they had this houseboat, like in the middle of the swamps. Um, her grandpa does. So we went out there, just we went driving, and we stopped by there. And when we got on the houseboat, I looked around, and you can, it's like, there's like, it's 30-something miles um, to the New Orleans city, actual downtown area. And you can see New Orleans on the horizon. Like, you can see these little specks of buildings. And I thought, this would be the best place to survive if you ever needed to. And it's so beautiful. No one does anything down there. And like where, where is this again? It's Plaquemines Parish. In Plaquemines Parish. And the yes. name of the little town is called what? Dave Ant. Dave Ant. Yes. Has in, have you ever heard of that, mm -hmm. Luke? I, no. I know Plaquemines. <laughs> I don't know that specific name. I don't name. even know where Plaquemines Parish is, is exactly. D-A-V-A-N-T? Yeah. It, yeah. It's sort of like deviant, but it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> Dave Ant. And how yeah, many people live in Dave Ant? Oh gosh, after Katrina, like, I don't like even know literally, if it's a like, yeah, it's yeah. fewer than a thousand. Did Katrina yeah. hit David? Twelve feet of water in my parents' house, and not such a good place to survive then, except <laughs> <laughs> except from a nuclear holocaust type. Yeah, I mean, event. If it were to hit New Orleans, I'd I'd go down there. So that's what gave you the Trent. You had the idea for it. Yeah, uh, yeah, initially. And you told Jessica, hey, I've got a great idea for a story. What if an atom bomb fell on? You know, yeah, and the actually, movie, the yeah. movie does it. And what did you think about that? That's an awesome idea. I mean, yeah. What I did you say? It's crazy. No, I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. We needed something to do because everybody's always telling us, you know, you need to go to school first. Go to school. Go to school. 
no, I'll, I'll drop out if I have to. I want to start now. You want to make? You want to be movie uh, makers? Oh yeah. yeah. So you made a movie. So we mm. did. That sounds yeah. reasonable. And what are you learning at school that could help with that? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so why well, are you staying in school? Yeah. Well, what um, kind of an ultimatum that I kind of got while I was at school was um, we were in the film program initially, and we realized that you're doing all these projects. You know, you get this little like $100 camera and you go out and you film these little projects and you're going to be doing that until you get into like the upper level classes. Hundred, did you say $100 projects? Like just little cheap cameras. You start off with that and like the first, like for the first few years you're just doing like with really like low tech equipment sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And we just felt that it would be better for us to, you know, we, we actually, we're not in the film program anymore because now we, when we were doing movies and stuff for the classes, now we can do our own projects. And we feel that we learn more when you're, we're actually doing it ourselves because right. we're... What, what classes are you doing now? We're in business now. Yeah. Ah, now we're you're talking. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, good exactly. thinking. Yeah. I, I switched to marketing because I thought... I mean, my personal opinion is marketing is one of the... one huge aspects of filmmaking that you really need to, to like, get into because yeah. you really need to know, you know, all the aspects the of The business Yeah, the business side, side of it. Of the because movie that's what everyone... Like all the Hollywood studios, they want to know, you know, target audience, how many people want to see this movie, and that sort of stuff. So I thought that would be a good substitute to learn while we're kind of teaching ourselves filmmaking. So you can become a filmmaker in your own time and learn business. Yeah. Because you can't really do that by yourself. Yeah. Couldn't you buy a business book <laughs> yeah, we and go to film classes and learn how to become an auteur director? Yeah. Or not? I mean, we, we could do that, but the, we just feel that uh, it's... Like a lot of people have told us that it's a lot better to to like learn out in the field instead of in a classroom because in a classroom a lot of times you're really restricted as to what you can do you you know you can only f use 20 minutes of footage <laughs> you can you have to make like this five minute movie with 20 minutes of footage and you, it's like ridiculous you can't even do two takes. But when Trent growing up, Trent when he was growing up he taught himself everything and yeah. I went to NOCA for high school. It's our local film mm -hmm. school. And uh, they taught us everything. There's really no reason for us to go to film school, honestly. So your high school education is enough y to yes. become a filmmaker, yes. which is what you did. So it says on the credits for this film here that you wrote and directed and produced it. You, did you direct it together as well, for real? I didn't think it would work, but it did. You know, it's actually, it's way easier because, you know, what we split up and we each tackle something and it gets done faster. Do you do like one scene each? Oh, I'm going to direct this scene where this happens and um, or do you both direct the same scene? It was just kind of, we just kind of did just it like. It happened. Yeah. I don't just organically. Yeah. yeah. Like Jessica, she would. I mean, I focused more with the younger kids and he focused with the adults and it worked. Yeah. And what's been the reaction? I mean, the, the movie opens with New Orleans being destroyed by an atomic blast. How did you do that, actually? <laughs> well, <laughs> Russia. Well, yeah, we, we ordered a missile from yeah. you know, the old Soviet, Soviet stockpile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Um, but in high school, um, I just realized that I needed to teach myself visual effects because in order to do, like, I always had all these great ideas, and I was like, oh, I want to do this and this. And I was like, how am I going to do it? It's impossible. So I decided to teach myself visual effects, and I've been doing it for like uh, five years or so now. But so I taught myself visual effects. So these ideas that we have, we can actually accomplish. So um, with no money. Yeah, with no money. <laughs> right. Yeah, because if we would want to do that effect, we would have spent you know thousands of dollars. It but it actually looks very effective. It looks like the place Thank is blowing you. up. Yeah. But so I've just taught myself how to do it, so we could do whatever we want and. Like, even from that, we've learned so many new techniques of visual effects from just getting through that movie. And what, what's been the reaction to the movie since it's been finished? Uh, I mean, honestly, I didn't think... Well, no, you don't have to be honest. I aren't, aren't you doing marketing? <laughs> I, di I didn't think it would... Um, we, we had a premiere. We had a premiere at Hang NOCA. On a second, we just have to get a drinks order in here. What do you what do you order? Stout. Stout. That's yeah. a good idea. That'll yeah. set you, you up. Get one too, right? Oh, okay. 
Sorry, anyway, back to, I'm no, sorry um, to, to digress about at alcohol. NOCA, we, I contacted yes. my old film teachers at NOCA, and they let us use their theater for free, Yeah. which was unbelievable. Nobody gets to do that. And we went there, and I thought it was going to be like 30 people would show up. We had over 200 people show up. And I was like, you know, this is a short film. We're in college. This doesn't, you know, we're, I didn't think that would happen. And what, what was the, what's the reaction been? I mean, other than your family, of course, who like it, I'm well, sure, but we, um, what's the film community saying? Yeah, we've entered it into some film festivals, but a lot of them, it's like, you enter it, and then like, six months later, you get to hear back, so we're, we, we've entered it, like, yeah, we're waiting. Yeah, we're still waiting. We got into one, a Facebook one, and we were in the top, we are in the top few, but it was one of those things where people watch these movies, and then they click like on it, oh, so, so, whoever had the most Facebook whoever, friends. Yeah, whoever had the biggest <laughs> Facebook, we're pretty much one, but. Um, and also, some it's, it's kind of funny, actually. Um, the movie is actually showing up in a lot of survivalist forums. <laughs> and <laughs> they're, 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 like, saying, oh, my gosh, why didn't he do that? Oh, my gosh, why didn't he, <laughs> like, do all this stuff? You, mean, you got some like, of it wrong? You mean? I mean, this is, we, we went, like, the story is this guy. I mean, he's not a survivalist, so he's not going to know how to do all this. But one guy was like, why is he using a fridge with propane? Why isn't he you know, putting all this food in a bag and shoving it to the bottom of the river and stuff like that. And I'm like... That, that's your sequel, though. That's like yeah. your participatory <laughs> marketing, you know, yeah. your social media, like, component, your whole trends. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll make this second one and, you know, Aftermath get some input too. from them. Yeah. And libertarians, too. you got to get them involved. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. But I thought it was pretty funny how they, they're like... They, s they said they show all their friends this movie to show them what not to do. That's what they said. <laughs> but, I mean... <laughs> hey, that's that's... That would people be great if people... It though, so. Yeah, it raises awareness. But, <laughs> yeah. but really, it was... Uh, we, we wrote it because this guy's a normal guy. He's not like some survival like, guy who's like, really into it. So, I mean, we think it works for the storyline. It dramatically works yeah. is the main thing. The character is mm -hmm. not a survivalist. He's a guy who happens to be at the playground with his kids when the bomb blows up and kills his wife, as I recall. Yeah. yeah. And you guys... Joseph and, uh, and Helen, you've got your movie into a lot of fancy festivals. It's doing really well. Yeah, it's been doing really well. We, um, it's like the past year we've been taking it to different festivals and we got, um, we've gotten Best Picture Awards and, and um, Best Director Awards. And uh, at the New Orleans Film Festival, we got Best Louisiana Narrative Feature. So yeah, it's been it's been doing really well. It's a really hard hustle though. So you guys you guys are right yeah. to to look. You They're know, doing the right thing. To the marketing, doing and the marketing. The, yeah. Find the money first, and then see. You know, yeah. It's <laughs> definitely like a don't don't quit your your day job kind now of thing. Now you guys paid for your movie yourselves, I guess, out of yes, you know, yeah, which is pretty pretty cheap. Yeah. Oh, uh, we we had a lot of volunteers um, come out and help, and um, a lot of Jessica's family, like her dad being a land manager down there, got mm -hmm. us a lot of good locations without us having to like pay any That's sort good. of right. fees and whatnot. And so Flood, Flood Street, you guys have got a f sort of A-list bunch of people behind you, Glenn Petrie and Michelle Benoit and Harry Shearer. Mm -hmm. How did you hook up with all those guys, just from being here or writing a great script or what? Yeah, it started with the script. Um, w Helen uh, had written a, s a bunch of short stories after the storm, a lot of them around her own experiences or stories that she'd heard. And we... Uh, we decided actually during the evacuation when we didn't know what we were going to come back to, if anything, uh, that we wanted to make a film together, um, n knowing that we were going to have to rebuild our lives from scratch one way or the other. Uh, we decided that Helen wanted to get serious about her writing career. I wanted to get serious about my acting career. So the best way to do that was to make a film together that she would write, I would act in. And so the script evolved over maybe three years or something. Um, and then I got a, a contact uh, on my website for my martial arts school from someone named Michelle Benoit asking me about Tai Chi lessons. And I said, well, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll give you... F and I saw that her <laughs> email address was at, you know, at CajunFilms.com or, or some production company. Um, so I looked at her website and was really impressed by her and, and uh, Glenn's uh, body of work. And I was familiar with, uh, you know, Belazare the Cajun. Uh, so I said, okay, I'll give you Tai Chi lessons if you'll read my screenplay and give me notes. Uh, and that's where that relationship started. And um, they brought in uh, Harry, or they had that relationship with Harry Shearer. Um, so we sent the script to him. Uh, Michelle had an idea of doing a stage reading so we could hear 
the uh, you know the script in front of an audience, engage the audience's uh, response to it. Um, and uh, we invited Harry to come and read several of the roles at that stage reading. Uh, and uh, he agreed. Uh, well, initially he said, "No, I can't do that day that we had scheduled." We were, you know, completely crestfallen. And then I said, "Well, wait a minute. What if we do it on another day?" <laughs> and so we, we said, "Well, what if we did it the next week? Could you do that?" And he said, "Yes." Like his emails are always like one word. <laughs> <laughs> as long um, as one word is yes, yes you're in good yeah. shape. And uh, we didn't hear. We didn't really hear back from him until the, you know, the day of, about 15 minutes before it was supposed to start. We had several local celebrities, and that was the case with all of them. Like. You know, they we were up. sweating until about 10 minutes before it was supposed to start. And, and that's how it all started. It yeah. started with the stage reading. Right, right. Yeah, the stage reading. And uh, one of the things that Harry told us after the stage reading, um, we had initially sent him a script when we asked him to do the reading, and then we sent him an updated script maybe a week before. Um, and he said, oh, I really like the script, and I really like the changes. And that was exciting to us. That means he had read it twice. You yeah. know, so <laughs> and then you offered him a pardon, and he said... I'll do yeah, it. we were even talking with him about directing it initially, um, and uh, he he told a very nice story at our um, Q and A after the New Orleans Film Festival. He said, uh, you know, we had been talking with him about doing it, and and it turns out that it didn't work out for one reason or another, um, but it sort of planted the idea in his head to make a film, and so two films uh, ended up coming out of this: uh, uh, Flood Streets and The Big Uneasy, which was a film that, that so he did. So you inspired him to make The Big Uneasy. That's, that's, that's the very generous story that he tells. I, no, <laughs> that was probably just a gift to us at our Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> you don't believe anything he says, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just been really sweet to us. I, I, yeah, I don't believe that we inspire him at all yet. <laughs> I think he inspires us. So where's the movie at? Are you looking for a national distributor to get yeah. it out? Yeah, we're world? actually, like, I just put together a bunch of packages for distributors today before we came here of, you know, the, our press packet and, our, and the film and all those different things. And we've gotten some offers from distributors, but... Um, we're really looking carefully at it because if it's a distributor that that doesn't have stuff out on Netflix and it's not widely available, it's like, well, why why bother? Because there's really no money involved in most of these deals. So if they're not at least going to get it out there as well as we would, then um, yeah. There's so other alternatives. You don't have to have a real distributor. You can do it yourself. Yeah, especially now, it's crazy. It's the wild west in terms of filmmaking right now. It's going through what the music business went through years ago, right, where right. everything is like it can become digital, and it's like the 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 studios are sort of breaking down, and you don't necessarily need them. Like it's great to have them as as a you know just sort of like a tastemaker and someone to say if you like these films you may like these films but really like between iTunes and between all of like Netflix and and Sony Crackle and you know so many different digital brands and streaming and and ad revenue supported and there's so many ways to get it out there that really you can get a global audience it's just a matter of how do you get people to pay attention and how do you break through the noise but you have made the movie which yeah. is the main thing. And you have made your movie, Aftermath, yeah. which is the main thing. Yeah. And you've actually... My, my movie's in my head, man. No, yours is not. <laughs> I want yours the musical. I want yes. the musical. Okay. You've written this musical. <laughs> I, mean, it's just, I was thinking this whole thing when you were telling the story about, about getting an email from Michelle Benoit and you said, it, I'll, you know, I'll send you my screenplay. The f thing is, you'd actually written the screenplay. It wasn't like you had some airy-fairy idea about making a movie. You'd actually... All these stories start with, well, I'd written the screenplay or, well, I'd written this musical. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows? It's I'm really into musicals lately, so I want to see this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're working on a comedy musical uh, web series right now. Oh, uh, nice. Wh what's That's that called? Um, it's called Least Favorite Love Songs. <laughs> nice. Very nice <laughs> title, <laughs> man. That's great. Yeah, I, I may need to work with you on this one. <laughs> That's great I think we've I think we've hooked something up here. <laughs> <laughs> we've come to the end of our time here on Happy Hour today. Thank you so much all for joining Thank us. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. My special guests have been Joseph Meisner and Helen Krieger who made the movie Flood Streets, and Trent Gillum and Jessica Farizo, who made the movie Aftermath, and Luke Allen, who made the records. What are they called again? Total Death Benefit. They're there. Yeah, the band's Happy Talk and Band. And Starve a Fever. It, yeah, and it's, uh, yeah those, those records, yeah. They're great Thank records. You, you can you find man. all of those on... Uh, we'll have a link to them. We have a link to them on, on our site as well. It's neworleans.com. If you're coming down to New Orleans and you're listening to this from somewhere else in the country and you're looking for a hotel or a tour or you need tips on what to do while you're here, check in with our friends at neworleans.com, the official New Orleans travel site. Our show was recorded live at the Collins Hotel, 3811 St. Charles Avenue in New Orleans. A great place to come and stay if you're coming down here and a great place to come and have a drink, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. If you're yes. already here, the producer... It's, it's supposed to be haunted, yes, too. Trent, it's supposed Trent to be ghost here. Yeah. It just, is haunted. I'd just like to say, um, if you want to see Aftermath, we have posted it on YouTube um, for people to see, and 
You just search for Aftermath and then Trent Gillum or Jessica Friso afterwards and you'll, you'll find it. Can we steal it and then you get nothing? No, no. <laughs> you can't download it? No. Oh. You can, but you can see it. Yeah, you can watch it on YouTube. Okay. Well, that's good to know. All right, and we'll have a link to that. We have a link to that on our site. Can we put that link up there, okay? Yes. Okay, very good. The producer of Happy Hour is Melinda Hawes. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Key. Hello, our music director is Christian Andrew. Our web designer and link to the real world is Cliff Brigden. Our theme song was written and is being played right now by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show, drop us a line at itsneworlands.gmail.com. You can check out our other Happy Hour shows on our website along with the other shows on our site, itsneworlands.com, including Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, which is recorded live at Commander's Palace, and Mindset with psychiatrist Dicta. Dicta? Dr. Nick Paycheck. <laughs> you can keep up with us by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook, following us on Twitter, and subscribing to our podcasts on iTunes. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworlands.com. For Mitch Foreman on piano, I'm Grant Laura saying thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Happy Hour.